0: It's Jess Fisher. You're listening to Episode 8 of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, The Educator's Version, where we explore some of the science featured in the story. Keep listening to the end of this episode to hear me and Nate Dufort talk about sustainable agriculture with Dr. Estelle Jimenez Soto, Professor of Nutrition and Food Studies at Syracuse University. Chapter
1: 8, An Old Friend When I woke up the next morning, I half expected Doggo to be gone again. But I rolled over and he was right there next to me, moving his paws like he was trying to run in his sleep. Dreaming about Haven? I do that too?
2: (laughs) Keep having your fun. I'm gonna see what's in the sack.
1: The sack was filled with tiny packets of red powder.
2: Property of the... Us military? Sorry, didn't mean to wake you. Morning, doggo. Uh. Believe it or not, that was my stomach growling. You hungry too, huh? Locust swarm ate all our supplies, so we're gonna have to find some on our... (gasps) Did you see that? Over there, by the rock. Is that... It's... it's a rat! Big one, too. Hello, little guy. I've never seen one of you in person. Look, I'm an agent of the animals, sort of. I definitely do not eat them, but I know from my reading that some dogs were rodent hunters. So if that's your thing, I'm not going to stand in your way but I'm not gonna help you either. Doggo, wait! You're gonna make your paw worse!
1: It crawled over my foot. Doggo, stop, look out! Doggo lunged at the rat and crushed into me instead. Hey! We fell over in a heap, rolling down the side of the hill in a big furry ball.
2: Is it me, or is the world spinning? (sighs) The rat's gone. So you're gonna have to wait to...
1: Wait. Togo. Are these... Togo was already ahead of me. When we tumbled down the hill, we landed in a huge flat field with row after row of plants. I pulled one of the plants out of the ground. At the bottom of some green leaves was a long, straggly, orange... Carrot! Doggo, it's a whole field of carrots.
2: You can at least wait until we cook them.
1: Mm. Here, Doggo, have another one. I built a fire and Doggo and I cooked and ate as many of the carrots as we could fit in our bellies. We ate carrots all day and then we napped, woke up and ate some more and that night, Doggo curled up beside me. You're finally full, huh? Yeah,
2: carrots are yummy and nutritious, but we can't stay here forever. Do you know where we're going, Doggo? Do you know about Haven? Somewhere deep down? Yeah, I didn't think so. But if we really are the child and the dog and the song, then I have to believe that we'll find it. Somehow, you were really great in that cave. You saved me. We saved each other. Again. I was thinking, we've got a lot in common, you and me. I know you wouldn't say it from looking at us. You have four legs and floppy ears and a tail, but we both like carrots. We both have paws that give us trouble, and... We are both alone in the world. He must... He must have had parents, right? Did you know them? I barely remember mine. And Aunt Callie, well... Turns out my whole life was a lie. And now I might be the only agent left. Just like you're the last one of you. Except maybe not. Maybe once we get to Haven, Well, find a whole bunch of dogs. Big dogs, and little dogs, and dogs with spots. Dogs you can run with and play with. Your very own pack. Your own family. And you won't be alone anymore. Yeah. You won't be alone anymore.
1: this way, Doggo. The water's getting louder. With our stomachs full, everything seemed brighter the next day. I climbed up the hill and grabbed Mama Boo's yellow sack and off we hiked. We moved faster and Doggo even seemed to be enjoying himself. His paw looked better, too. I picked up a stick in the path and tossed it out of the way. Doggo sprinted after it. Doggo! For a second, I was worried he'd taken off again but then he ran back with the stick in his mouth. What? You want me to throw it again?
2: Okay. You have to let go of it first. There you go. Go get it! (laughs) You could do this all day, couldn't you? Okay, I'll throw it again. Wait, did you hear that? The water, it's the river, come on, this way. Did we find it? Did we find the right branch of the river? Look,
1: Doggo, is that? Sitting in the water, tied to a tree, was a boat. It wasn't big, but it looked sturdy enough. A post stuck up from the deck with a piece of cloth that fluttered in the breeze.
2: It's a sail too banged up to be something the regulators would use. And we're far away from Mama B. don't see anyone around. Do you? Listen, I know we have to be careful, but we also have to get back on the water somehow if we're gonna follow the song and make it to Haven. And I know we're both tired of walking. I'm not just stealing some stranger's boat. Tell you what, I'll check it out, but be ready to run or swim, if there's any trouble. Why am I talking to you like you understand? Come on. You stay here on shore and keep watch, okay? I'll go climb on board and see what I can find.
1: I stepped onto the sailboat, hoping that maybe whoever owned it was a good and decent person, someone who might be willing to help us. There was food sitting out. Tens of beans, roots, and a canvas bag. I reached inside. Tomatoes. Doggo!
2: No, Doggo! So much for keeping watch. Fine, you can be on the boat too. But don't eat all these peoples. One tomato. That's all you get. We aren't thieves. I just wish I knew
1: who... Near the front of the boat was an old, worn book. Look at this. The big book of horses.
2: Doggo, I think they like animals. In a good way, not the mama bee way. Shh, there's someone down there below deck.
1: It's okay, stay back. I've been holding a rock just in case. I held the rock over my head as I grabbed the handle on the hatch and carefully lifted it.
2: It's you! I know! But what? How? (coughs) Uh, What is that? That would be a dog. THE dog, actually. Is it? He's my friend. Gideon, meet Doggo. Come on, Doggo. Down the hatch. That's it. Doggo. Help! He's trying to eat me! He's just licking you, you baby. You must have food on your face. Okay, Tago, stop, stop, stop.
3: You're gonna lick
2: my face out. Uh, get off! Oh, uh, here, have a tomato. Oh, uh, here, here, eat this. Ah, Gideon, what are you doing here? Looking for you. What else? You sure that thing is not dangerous? No, but he likes you. So, how did you find me? We went to your garden and followed your teddy bear song. See? Here he is. Climb, climb, we didn't know anything after the part with the well and the journey to the sun. So we just started going along the river. Wait, turn that off. Who is we? Me and your Aunt Callie, of course. You came with Callie? Yeah, why? We have to get out of here. Right... <coughs> ah! She locked us in! Uh, what? Hello, Iowa. Let us out! I'm afraid I can't do that. What's happening, Iowa? What's happening is that she's not my aunt. It was all a lie. She just wanted to find animals and sell them.
1: That's not right. And after all those years, I finally got my hands on the big payoff. Only it was taken from me. The dog was taken from me. But I won't let that happen again.
2: Please, Callie. Callista. Time to push off. Settle in and get comfortable down there, kids. We've got a long trip ahead of us.
4: Welcome to Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog, the educator's version, where we dig into the actual science behind the episodes of Iowa Chapman and the Last Dog. I'm Nate DuFort, who some of you may know from the show's Unspookable and Reach, a space podcast for kids. And with me, as always, from Gen Z Media and Six Minutes Rewind is Jess Fisher. Hey, Jess. Yellow. <laughs> so another big episode. What <laughs> da, da, da. happened today?
0: Okay. Iowa and Dago discover a giant field of carrots, and Dago tries to eat them all. They grow closer as they make their way back to the water. And when Iowa finds a boat, she's surprised to find her old friend Gideon, hence the name of the episode. But he's not alone. Aunt Callie locks him in the cargo hold and sets sail for parts unknown.
4: So much drama. <gasps> but it's not going drama. to distract from the fact that I am crazy hungry. I've skipped lunch and I could go for <laughs> a field of carrots myself right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, carrots are sweeter Then then like when you have a carrot for the first time in a long time, they're like much yummier than you remember.
4: Oh, totally. And packed with nutrients. That's good for the skin. It's good for the eyes. Like the carrot is I mean, we don't give it enough credit
0: pro-carrot show here.
4: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, thinking about carrots, I thought it is time that we start talking about some modern farming practices. So today we bring in Dr. Esteli Jimenez Soto, professor of nutrition and food studies at Syracuse University. Dr. Jimenez Soto, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: Thank you. This is so exciting to be here.
4: On today's episode, our characters stumble upon a field of carrots and It got me thinking about modern farming practices, particularly in ecological and sustainable farming. Can you give us an overview of these practices and why they're important?
3: Absolutely, yes. Thinking about sustainable agriculture today is super, super important. And sustainable farming means producing food for society's present needs in a way that it doesn't compromise the well-being of future generations. That really is the meaning of sustainability. Um, However, food in the United States and many of the countries countries in the global north is produced in an industrial way. This means large scale crop production uh, monocultures that this means producing one single crop in this large scale uh, industrial systems And um, in this kind of also meat producing facilities that produce food and um, cattle in this factory like big sort of uh, big concentrated animal feeding operations, they're also called CAFOs. And so this type of food production is super problematic for the environment and also for um, social well-being for our human health. Um, this type of operations, this industrial agricultural, large scale industrial agricultural systems, they use a lot of energy to produce food. And this energy is not coming from within the system, but it's basically imported into the system. They're called inputs, right? And um, they're mostly coming from fossil fuel derived substances, right? So we're talking about fumigants and pesticides right all of these fertilizers too that are used to producing food but this is not sustainable right the use of these sources often causes a lot of problems like pollution there's one particular type of pollution that's related to the use of uh, fertilizers in agriculture which is called eutrophication and this is when there is an addition of nutrients into the bodies of water. So we're talking about lakes and oceans and in rivers as well. And this addition of nutrients causes what it's called dead zone. So there is an increase in the uh, nutrients, nutrient addition in the in the water. And basically, there's a depletion of oxygen in the top part of this water. And so it's really problematic for the diversity uh, that lives in there. So fish and other organisms uh, have a hard time living in places that are depleted of oxygen. There's also this, this type of agricultural systems are really problematic. They use a lot of resources and fossil fuels. They also use a lot of water. And this is really problematic because it's related to desertification and drought in places that are already experiencing a lot of problems with water scarcity. And a lot of agricultural systems that we see today use a lot of water right through irrigation. And of course, not to mention health problems caused to humans. So sustainable farming is not a recipe or a prescription. It's not about specific methods to produce food, but it's really more interested in the process of farming. And there are three important criteria that we sort of understand in uh, sustainable farming, which is one, is needs to be ecologically sound. So this means uh, conserving fertile soil. So thinking about soil health, uh, fresh water and other natural resources. So the conservation of biodiversity and natural resources is important. It also needs to be economically viable, which means to produce enough food, but also enough to provide farmers with uh, an adequate living to support their livelihoods, right? And if farmers are, of course, in debt and are it's probably not going to be a sustainable agriculture, right? And industrial agriculture actually promotes a lot of those problems for farming lives. It also needs to be socially responsible. So promoting uh, the health and wellness of people that work in agriculture. So farm workers, people that pick the harvests of agricultural production, and also for the communities that live off farming, right? Providing people with safe and nutritious food. So these are the three criteria that we take into consideration when we talk about sustainable farming.
4: Got it. Thank you. Uh, You know, in studying up for this conversation, one word kept popping up. Now, agroecology is a term that's relatively new to me. Can you tell me more about what that means?
3: Absolutely. Agroecology means the application of ecological principles to the design and management of agricultural systems. And basic concept in agroecology is the agroecosystem. We depart from the unit of analysis of the agroecosystem, which is basically the social ecological system comprised of the biotic and abiotic elements and processes that influence the production of food. So a farm is an agroecosystem. Also um, a cattle production uh, area is an agroecosystem. And agroecology is pretty much learning from nature. That is the basic of agroecology. It's using biodiversity and the services provided by nature Instead of using those fossil fuel derived inputs that I was talking about earlier, right? For example, one of the things that my work looks at is pests and diseases. So how do we control pests and diseases in agroecosystems? We can use fumigants and pesticides, which are fossil fuel derived inputs, but we can also use the power of nature and the power of biodiversity to control these problematic pests and diseases that farmers have to deal with. So for example, farmers do uh, rotations of plants, of crops, right? So you can have, for example, a field of strawberries and then rotate that with a field of broccoli, which uh, we we know contains this special substances in the roots that are not good for pathogen f- fungus that is uh, affecting the roots of strawberry plants. So farmers will do these types of rotations instead of using fumigants to control the uh, diseases that affect their main crops. But farmers also do uh, mixtures or also called polycultures uh, to promote the benefits of biodiversity. So for example, um, it's very common to see the uh, the indigenous uh, communities have a, a system that is called the Three Sisters uh, Agroecosystem. And this is the production of corn with uh, beans and also squash and so the use of this polyculture system is very beneficial for corn because it when it associates with beans there is nitrogenization so beans have in their roots they have this beautiful association uh, between bacteria and fungi and This phenomenal communities that live underground, they are allowing for the fixation of nitrogen, which is needed uh, by corn, right? So this kind of companion planting is so important and it's uh, critical if we want to stop using fumigants and pesticides and fertilizers, right? And so that is really what agroecology is about, is using the power of biodiversity to Um, stop the use of fumigants and pesticides and and all of those fossil fuel derived inputs. And so, for example, planting uh, wild plants and wildflowers around farms to attract diverse pollinators is also part of agroecological farming. But for example, you were talking about uh, fields of carrots, right? so um, let's imagine that we are stepping onto this massive field of carrots and one of the most important um, herbivorous insects, so the most important pest for carrots is aphids. And so this little tiny insects are All on these plants and sort of sucking their liquids. And they're really bad for the production of carrots. And farmers have a really hard time controlling aphids, right? But aphids have natural enemies in the wild. And uh, one of the most important natural enemies and natural predators of aphids are lady beetles. And so, but we want to conserve lady beetles so that they can do their work of controlling aphids and carrot fields. And how do we do that? Well, we need to have a diversity of other plants that can be used by lady beetles as a refuge for um, their uh, populations and so that they can uh, live in the farm and then therefore eat those aphids that are a problem for farmers. But we can only do that if we are um, purposefully increasing biodiversity and those wild plants that are used for habitat uh, of the conservation of these natural enemies of pests. But agroecology, I, I love agroecology because it really goes beyond ecological principles. It goes beyond a single ecological method to envision a more socially and environmentally just food system. So it's not just about stopping the use of fumigants and instead of that, using And nature right it's also about thinking about the just the just social well-being and human wellness right it's thinking about how do we build a more socially uh, and just uh, food system and in doing so it's very uh, strongly rooted in environmental and social justice And agroecology also takes into consideration uh, indigenous knowledge and reclaiming local ecological knowledge, reclaiming people's sovereignty. So the rights of people to define what they want to eat, what their food system should look like. And so it really, agroecology really goes beyond ecological principles to take into consideration human well-being and social justice, which I think just makes it even much more holistic than just thinking about uh, organic agriculture or permaculture. It really is very
4: complex. I've learned so much here today. Thank you for lending your time and expertise with our listeners.
3: Thank you so much for having me in the podcast. This was really fun.
0: When will we learn as a collective Western society That we should listen to indigenous people.
4: 100% (laughs) of the time. And I feel like now we're starting to say it more and more just even on this show.
0: Mm -hmm. No, that's true. I don't think that's like the first time that we've touched on something like that.
4: And I guarantee it's not going to be the last. Mm -hmm. Well, that is it for this episode. Big thanks again to Dr. Esteli Jimenez Soto. And to learn more about sustainable agriculture, check out the links in our show notes.
0: For more awesome pods, go to gzmshows.com.
4: Shh, it's starting. GZM Shows. Imagination Amplified.